Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Philippians? We're going to be in chapter one this weekend. Let me give you a little idea of where we're headed. Uh, next week, we are beginning a conversation through Galatians chapter 5. Take us a couple couple months to get through that. And uh, so this weekend is a little bit of a standalone. It's actually something I've wanted to share for some time. And I felt like this would be a good opportunity to have this conversation. So Philippians chapter 1, this powerful, powerful letter that Paul writes to the Philippian church. Would you join me in prayer? As we pray, I invite you maybe to suspend things that you need to do or things you're worried about. Maybe just take a moment, clear your mind, open the scriptures, and ask the Spirit to speak to you. Maybe it's encouragement, maybe it's direction. Maybe it's comfort to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Father, as we come to you in the name of Jesus, we ask that your word, this living two-edged sword, as is described, pierces us deep within, forming our character and our thoughts and our attitudes and our actions more into the person of Jesus. Lord, we come to you humble, teachable, ready to receive what you want to teach us. May you be honored and blessed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. I want to talk about one word, and I'll just call it confined. And I could explain it a little bit and say, well, how did I get here? It's probably been a time in your life where you've wondered that, like, how, how did I end up here? And, and sometimes we wonder that in a great way, right? Like, how, how did I end up here? And, and it can be an incredibly encouraging thing in our life. But there is the other side of the coin where we might ask, how did I get here, right? There's a, maybe a restriction or there's a confinement. Maybe you've asked yourself, how, how did I get this job? Or how did I get in this family? No comment, honey. Why am I in this church? And how did I get this body? How did I get here? And, and there's a sense across the board that there is maybe restriction or, or some element of confinement to that. Now, I'm not speaking about being restricted or confined when you and I make ungodly decisions or ungodly habits or, or an ungodly attitude. And so I'm not speaking about we're confined to unforgiveness or, or hatred or racism or lust. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. Th those are spiritual issues that you need to deal directly with the Father about. I'm not that. You, it's almost finding yourself in a situation maybe that you didn't see coming. And, 
you didn't certainly ask for it, but you're asking the question, how did I get here? We're going to look at a global missionary. His name is Paul. This global, globe-trotting missionary finds himself confined, restricted. We know that Paul was confined to, to house arrest in Rome. Paul had two imprisonments in Rome. The first one that we are looking at this weekend, he was under house arrest for a couple of years in Rome. He was accused of taking a Gentile into the temple in Jerusalem. That set off a firestorm where Paul eventually was led to Rome. He appealed his case before Caesar. And in Acts chapter 21, you can read the details of that accusation. So Paul has been falsely accused. While confined under house arrest in Rome, the Philippian church send Paul a care package. And they send it by a man named Epaphroditus. Now, Philippi was a small Roman colony. Can we bring up the map, Stuart? Here's a map, and you see Jerusalem at the bottom right-hand corner. Make your way to the opposite corner, and there you see Philippi just on top of the, the red arrow. That's Philippi. Philippi had a special place in Paul's heart. And so on his second missionary journey, Paul went to Philippi. He preached the gospel there. And while there, he and Silas were thrown into jail. It's, it's a wild story. As C.S. Lewis says something along the lines, everywhere I go, they want to have tea. Everywhere Paul goes, there's a riot breaks out. And so Paul finds himself, he and Silas, they find themselves in prison in Philippi. Philippians is one of what we call four prison epistles, written from prison. So as we think about Paul, have I totally confused you, right? He's in Rome, house arrest. He's, he's, in, he, he, he's in prison in Rome twice. This is the first time. Philippi, the church there, sends the care package, and he writes a letter back to them, sends it with Aphroditus, and he's showing his appreciation uh, and his affection for the church at Philippi. But, but Paul is confined, right? And so what if we looked at Paul's life and said, well, when Paul is confined, what does he do? How does he handle a confinement based upon a false charge that happened in Jerusalem? What does he do? Philippians chapter 1 gives us a little insight. And beyond that, maybe you're sensing that in your own life. Maybe that, that restriction, that confinement, there, there's something in your life where you're like, I, I didn't see this coming. I don't need this. How did this happen? Let's look at Paul's life, and let's, let's extract a few things that we can learn from him. So in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 13, here's what I want you to see, is that Paul used his confinement to share the gospel. This is pretty incredible. Look with me in verse 12 and 13. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Man, what a spirit, huh? What an attitude. Everyone here including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Very interesting that Paul finds himself in confinement, house arrest. Now, Paul mentions specifically here that he is under house arrest by the palace guard. The palace guard was a, uh, it was a group of elite soldiers whose primary mission was to protect the emperor. 
That was their primary mission. So these are like elite soldiers, right? And so they are constantly watching Paul 24-7. And so Paul finds himself connected to this, this elite regiment of highly trained special ops Roman soldiers. This is not the Keystone Cops, right? This is not Mayberry. This is the best of the best who are watching Paul. Can you imagine hanging out with Paul for 24 hours? You think you'd get a little Jesus? He's probably driving these cats nuts, but, but he's in this confinement. And what I want you to see is that, is that God used Paul's confinement, that restriction, to open the door for the gospel. His confinement, I want you to think about this, his confinement was the pathway that God used to open the door to the gospel. Well, what happened in those two years? Look with me in Philippians chapter 4 at the end of the letter. Notice how Paul finishes the letter with his final greetings. Verse 21 of chapter 4, Paul says, Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Jesus Christ. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. Look at verse 22. And all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. Isn't that interesting? How, how did the gospel get to Caesar's household? How did this, this, this message, this movement known as the way, how did this incredible message make it into Caesar's household? Through Paul's confinement. Do you see that? He, he is confined. The gospel begins to break open. It's the open door. God uses it, facilitates the gospel going into Rome, Caesar's household, because of Paul's confinement. Paul is planning the gospel in the palace. Now let that land on you. He is planning the gospel in the palace. The gospel that he plants in the palace eventually turns the Roman world upside down. Do you realize that? This is the underpinnings. This is those initial days when the gospel begins to take root at ground zero in Rome. You know, here's what I've learned. What can feel like confinement to us actually may be God's assignment for us. Let me explain this. What feels like confinement to me, restriction, may be God's assignment for me. For example, let's say that you're in a career, you're in a job. You're not crazy about it, right? you're tired of it, you're restricted, you're confined, nothing else is showing up. You find yourself in a restriction, in a confined environment. Could it be that somebody in that environment, that job, needs to hear about the message of Jesus? Could it be? Could it be that you're in that place and time, feeling restricted, feeling stuck, if you will, confined, but it could be that God wants to use that confinement as your assignment in sharing the good news. That'll get you motivated to get out of the job, right? Like, hey, I'm going tomorrow. I'm sharing Jesus. Maybe he'll move me on. Maybe. Maybe. Or may, maybe, it's, maybe it's a health challenge, right? You got something about you that you have a health challenge. It's, it's ongoing, and it's putting you in places. You're interacting with people in the health field. For example, just maybe a month ago, one of our ladies at church is having some health issues. She showed up and she brought her nurse with her, right? 
that confinement, that physical confinement actually maybe had been opened the door and that became her assignment. I, I want you to see this is that, that Paul used his confinement to share the gospel. Looks like it would have been a great time to pout. Instead, he preached. Notice the second thing that Paul does down in verse 14. Is Paul's confinement, it, it facilitated confidence and boldness in the other believers. Look with me in verse 14. Scripture says, and because of my imprisonment. Will you say that with me? And because of my imprisonment. Your translation could say chains. Well, isn't it funny how we read over something in the Scripture and it never registers? Because of my change, because of my imprisonment. Look, look at what he says. Most of the believers. Would you say that with me? Most of the believers. Not all, but most. Look at what he says about them. Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. I read that. I thought, my Bible has a misprint. That's not a great connection, right? He's like, I'm in prison, and my imprisonment, my chains, is actually building confidence and courage and boldness in the believers. Does that make sense to you? No. I mean, if, if they were to roll in this weekend and take me or one of the other pastors and, and lock us up down in the Peoria Central Jail, I wonder next week how many of you guys would be back here. You're like, no, 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 no. I've seen this movie before. Paul's like, because I'm in prison, everybody around me, the believers around me are encouraged. They're, they're living without fear. They're sharing the message. That's an amazing idea to understand that his confinement, and it facilitated it, that, that the gospel came out of his confinement. Think about our lives and that sense of confinement, wherever you are right now. Maybe there's something restricting you. Can you see the gospel as you faithfully witness and proclaim the gospel? Other believers are encouraged by that. It's a powerful, powerful tool. It's a powerful principle here that Paul uses. There's many biblical examples, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're, they're in the fiery furnace. We're not bowing out of that. The whole nation is transformed. But, but there's more recent examples. On January the 8th, 1956, Stuart, can you bring up the next picture? While attempting to make contact with the Aka and the Harani people in Ecuador, Jim Elliott, and four other missionaries were speared to death on a beach next to a river. Elliot and the four missionaries had been trying to take the message of Jesus to this specific tribe. It's, it's a brutal tribe. They were speared to death by the same people they were taking the gospel to. By the way, they had guns with them. Jim Elliott and these missionaries, they had guns. They refused to pull the gun. And they find themselves there on that beach, spirited death. About seven years later, in October of 1949, Jim Elliott's most famous words that he ever written was written in his journal. These words 
have facilitated and encouraged and emboldened believers around the world, and you're looking at one of them right now. Jim Elliott's famous quote is this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Elliot's martyrdom and the four missionaries facilitated such confidence in other believers that Elliot's own wife, Elizabeth, and their daughter moved into the village. Moved into the village. The same village that the men came out of that had murdered Jim Elliot. Talking of his faith, Mincanye said this. Can you bring the next picture up, please? This is Mincanye and Steve Saint. This is Jim Elliott's son, Steve. Mincanye said this. When I killed Steve's father, I didn't know better. No one told us that he had come to show us God's trail. My heart was black, sick in sin. But I heard that God had sent his own son, his blood dripping and dripping. He washed me clean, Kanye said, and Kanye eventually came to know Jesus Christ. Steve Saint called Kanye father. Steve's grandchildren called Kanye grandfather. Years after the killings, Kanye baptized Steve Saint and his sister. All in the same waters, all in the same waters, next to the beach, that in 1956 had murdered his father. You see, when we're confined and we stand boldly for Jesus Christ with a witness, other believers are encouraged, are they not? When someone tells you a story about them sharing their faith with somebody, you're like, hey, I, I want to share my faith. I, I, I want to be a part of this movement of the gospel. And, and it's in those confined moments, in those moments of restriction that God often opens the door to his gospel. It seemed restricted. It seemed like a waste. Five missionaries killed. And for what? For an entire village to come to know Jesus Christ for an entire movement to begin across the globe. Friend, don't underestimate the power of your witness. It may not be perfect. <laughs> Amen. It may have flaws. You may have flaws. God's grace is at work. His Spirit is at work. Paul is, says, my confinement is facilitating confidence and boldness. Last thing I want you to see in the passage, we're going to skip down to verse 20. Paul says that my confinement here, it's an opportunity to honor Christ. Look at what he says in verse 20. Paul says, for I, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe we need to come back to the place where there's a fresh boldness for Jesus. To be bold for Christ. Some of us, like 
Hey, in the past, man, you remember when you first came to know Jesus? You couldn't shut up about Jesus? You remember those days? What if we got back to those days? Where, where there was a boldness and a love and a passion and a courage. Paul's like, I want to continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. Look at what he says. And, and I trust that my faith will bring honor to Christ. Confined, restricted. He's like, I, I hope my faith brings honor to Christ, whether I live or I die. The word there, honor, meglanio, means to make great, means to magnify. Oh, that our lives would honor Christ. Amen? That our lives would honor Jesus Christ. Even in the deepest and the darkest places, our lives can honor Jesus Christ. Even though we're confined, we're hurting, we're in something. We're like, I didn't, I, how, how did this happen? How did I get here? Why did this come to my doorstep? It takes a lot of faith to understand whatever's at my doorstep, God may use that for me to honor Him. That's a hard thing to do. Would you agree? Because when something's going on, it's difficult to think that way. But in the deepest, darkest moments of our lives, we can honor Christ. On Dietrich Bonhoeffer's last day in the Flossenburg prison camp, it was April 8th. 1945, on that day, Bonhoeffer was asked to lead a worship service in the Flossenburg camp. In fact, I believe it was a Sunday, the Sunday immediately following Easter. The service was held in a bright schoolroom, which served as a cell. Bonhoeffer got up with the other prisoners in the concentration camp, he prayed, and then he read from Isaiah 53, 5. With his stripes we are healed. That was the text that morning, and when he finished, history tells us that two men walked into that room. They came for Bonhoeffer, he left with them. He and the others knew what that meant. This is only maybe a two to three weeks before the liberation. As he walked out, other prisoners knew he was to be executed. A gentleman by the name of Mr. Best wrote this. He said, Dietrich was without exception the finest and most lovable man I've ever met. Early on April the 9th, 1945, the day that Dietrich Bonhoeffer and other people were executed, the camp doctor, H. Fisher Hungstrung, recorded his impression of Bonhoeffer. He said, and I quote, on the morning of that day between 5 and 6 o'clock, through the half-open door in one of the rooms of the huts, I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer, before taking off his prison garb, kneeling on the floor and fervently praying to his God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout, so certain that God heard his prayer. 
at the place of execution, he again said a short prayer, and then he climbed the steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensured just after a few seconds. The doctor finishes his assessment with this. In the almost 50 years that I have worked as a doctor, I've hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Even in the darkest places of our lives, we can honor Jesus. We can honor our Lord. Even in the difficult, darkest places of confinement and despair, it is no excuse not to honor our Jesus. And wherever you are, in the room, wherever you are watching this on camera, wherever you are in your life, understand that confinement is difficult, restriction is difficult. You're facing something you may not understand. But that doesn't mean God is not with you. Amen? It doesn't mean He's walked away and He's mad at you. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that we are in the line of those who have gone before us from the scriptures to, to history's examples of men and women who have lived this faith out in difficult places, in difficult times, in difficult moments, giving their lives that we have the opportunity to be here and to share this message. And it is our responsibility. It is our responsibility. It is our honor to keep this faith strong, to keep this faith passionate, to keep this message going forth. It is our responsibility, and it is not an easy torch to bear. It is not an easy message to take. But as we see what feels like a chaotic culture, and, and who knows where to turn, I'll tell you where to turn. Turn to the living God. And as the people of God, those who have gone before in their deepest, darkest places of confinement, we see them honoring Jesus. And we too have that responsibility. Until God removes the confinement that you're feeling, whatever that may be, and again, it'd be a number of things, until He removes the confinement, the restriction, or He removes us, one or the other. Amen? One or the other. Remember Paul, he had a confinement, he had a restriction. He prays for God to, to remove that thorn in the flesh. God says, my grace is sufficient. So until God removes the confinement, the restrictions, the stuckness, the question of well, how did I get here, there are some things we can do. Let us use confining places as the open doors to share this gospel. Amen? Let's share this gospel in doctor's offices, in, 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 in repair centers, in that job, at doctor, wherever you go. Whatever that restriction takes you, right? It'll take you somewhere. Wherever it takes you, see that as the place, the person that God wants to encounter through you. Second of all, let's be witnesses, encouraging one another to be confident and bold and loving for Jesus Christ. You never know 
You never know what your witness means. You never know what your story means. God uses our witness and our stories. And above all, let's live to bring honor to Jesus Christ. In the difficulty, in the challenge, in the hurting, in the sickness, let's bring honor to Jesus Christ. In 19, oh no, in 1529, my goodness, 1529, Martin Luther wrote a hymn called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He said, one of the, one of the lines is this, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. Friends, the confinement that you think you're feeling, that sense, that, 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 that confinement that is in you actually may be the assignment that God has for you. That God has for you. You're like, Pastor, that doesn't land very well. I get it. I understand it. But there's a beauty, there's an honor in that. I want you to stand. I want to close with a scripture. It's the next verse of Philippians chapter 1. It's verse 21. So I want this to kind of be your mantra. As you leave, I want you to hold on to this and think about what we've learned from Paul just briefly here. And I want you to see these words. It's a familiar passage. But maybe this would be a great mantra for us to leave with. Why don't we read it out loud? Can we? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's try that one more time. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father... We pray that anyone in this room who's never met your son Jesus, that this is the time with an unreserved faith, with a courage and a boldness to step out and say, I need to meet this Jesus. Like those palace guards, strong, trained, cream of the crop men, was hearing the message from Paul. Coming to conversion, Paul says Caesar's household now has believers. Father, I pray that there's anybody in this room, anybody watching this on video, that they would say yes to Jesus. If that's you and you're in the room, you're watching this by video, please reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Would love to talk with you about that. If you're a believer, tonight you're in a situation, something's going on where you're sensing that, Something may be restricting you. It's, maybe it's nothing of your own admission. Could be a, a physical thing. Could be an emotional thing. Could be mentally. Could be that, that job. Could be that relationship. Could be something that you're sensing and you're wondering, how did I get here? Before you walk away from that, before you get too frustrated, why don't you pray and say, okay, God, I feel confined, but maybe this is my assignment. Show me, show me how you want to touch others through this situation I am in. So Lord, give us the strength, the courage, the maturity in you to step across and say yes to Jesus in those confining moments. In the name of Jesus, we pray this.
Amen and amen. Please go away blessed. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.